today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Um, you know, if you're going to, um, and, and you want to migrate customers to digital channels, whether that be, um, you know, ATM or, um, you know, or mobile, uh, you know, name the digital channel. Uh, if you want to do that, there's, there's a significant cost um, associated with an upfront development, but there's also a significant cost in doing business that way. So, you know, by our analysis, um, you know, internally, I think B of A uses the five bucks. We, we use about $4.20 if I was to go in and make a, um, you know, a $20 deposit with you, Zach, as a teller. Okay, mm -hmm. so it costs the bank about four dollars and twenty cents. If they do it at you know at the ATM and you can migrate that same twenty dollar deposit to the, an ATM, it's it's you know let's call it eighty cents, something around that. Okay, and of course if you go to mobile, you know then you're down to fifteen cents or, or maybe even less depending on you know scale. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor in Chief Zach Miller. As we've discussed numerous times here on the podcast. The pandemic has accelerated a lot of digital trends that were already underway before COVID-19 ever hit. There's been a big push away from cash and towards contactless, but major U.S. cities are pushing back on cashless retailers. So where will all this lead? Diebold Nixdorf's Simon Powley joins me on the podcast to discuss integrating physical currency and digital tools. Drilling down, we look at the durability of cash and ATMs as a banking channel. Pally shares insights from his work with major banking institutions around the U.S. about the future of cash and banking in general. Simon Pally is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Uh, hey, uh, my name's Simon Pally. I run up our um, what we call our global advisory banking group here at Diebold Nextdoor. So we do a lot of thought leadership and uh, project-related things for financial institutions kind of around the globe. My team does. So yeah, it's great. I, and I'm a I'm a banker uh, by background, worked for Bank of America for about 15 years, running large markets for retail, small business, and was a chief retail officer of about a $15 billion bank um, out here on the West Coast for a while, and uh, then moved over and uh, ran uh, the partnerships for merchant acquiring for uh, WorldPay, now FIS, uh, before joining this uh, organization and doing this job, which is a, a great job. I'm enjoying it. Great background. How, how long have you been in your current role? Oh, let's see. I guess about three and a half years now. Awesome. Um, yeah. I'm kind of curious, Simon, how um, your experience of being a banker, um, I guess, informs your work today on, on the Diebel Nixdorf side. Oh, I, you know, every day. Uh, there's no question. I think, you know, there's, there's always roles in every organization where they're looking for subject matter experts. You know, I, I hate painting myself with that kind of brush, but I guess I'm getting old enough now to where my experience is starting to gravitate towards that a little bit more. So uh, we, I use it on a daily basis, you know, really a lot to keep our, uh, our organizations uh, or as important, if not more important, our customers kind of up to date on what's going on in the industry. And if you, you know, if you don't, if you haven't been a banker, in my opinion, or don't really understand that, you know, it's such a unique environment and they, they have their own language, they have their own ways of doing things. Um, you know, certainly the financial impacts are, almost reverse of a lot of the, you know, the ways that traditional companies think about things. If you don't have that, that background, it's really hard to understand uh, what's going on out there and to really feel the depth and the magnitude when, you know, events like COVID, for instance, happen and, and really what happens inside an organization. So I, I bring that to our customers just to kind of share best practices. Here's what's going on in the industry. Here's what's happening. And so I can speak their language. And internally, you know, we've got a lot of really, really smart people, clearly a lot smarter than me, uh, that are really gravitated more towards, you know, software, hardware capabilities that are always very anxious to tailor our products and services as solutions 
uh, for our, our bankers. And if you don't really understand the environment or what they're truly going through, sometimes it can be hard to, number one, I guess, develop the product the right way. Uh, but number two, to really describe the value proposition and articulate that appropriately to them. So, so I, I, do, I do a lot of that. That's kind of my day-to-day uh, business. That makes a lot of sense. So, so can you tell us, um, I guess, from your perspective, what are bankers feeling right now? You know, we're, I guess, COVID hit in, in, in March. So we're, we're, we're nine, eight, eight months, you know, almost into it. Um, what, what are they, what are they feeling? What are, what are their biggest needs, the people that you're talking to? Well, you know, I mean, from a kind of a, a macro level, um, you know, I think there's, uh, you know, uncertainty. Uh, I think the good news is even for, generational bankers, uh, you know, we've been through hardships before uh, with the great recession in 07 or 08. So there's, there's some, uh, you know, what my mom always described to me as a little bit of muscle built up there on terms of being able to react and understand the environment a little bit. So um, I think there's uncertainty, um, certainly a lot of change, which, you know, traditionally banks don't do well, uh, you know, and I hate to paint everybody in the same brush, but, you know, certainly the the um, you know medium to smaller organizations have struggled with that. Um, uh, you know, so the change that's really going on within their consumer bank and, and driving the changes that they, I think, a lot of institutions either have grappled with or understood that they needed to that maybe haven't made the investments or um, really you know taken on the direction of where they need to go. I think they're I think they're feeling a lot of that right now. The anxiety around that, what to invest in, uh, but you know it's not. Uh, so there's so there's kind of a couple things. One, I think we have to understand the the financial impacts of this. Um, you know, I mean, interest rates at zero. You know, certainly tough from a margin perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now we've got consumer loans that continue to you know fly off the shelf. I'm up here in the Seattle market, and um, you know, pay a lot of attention. I have a lot of banking friends up here that that tell me you know just how hot the market continues to be, um, which is helpful. Um, but, you know, from other loans and other, you know, margins perspective, it's very, very hard to, to lend long term at these very low rates. They're flush with deposits, um, you know, that uh, they, they, they aren't really interested in when you got the Fed window open at zero. Um, you know, having a bunch of deposits on there at a, at a reasonable rate for your customers is challenging for them. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things, I guess, what I would say is just around profitability, right? And, and you know, to add to that, the uncertainty of, when are we going to get out of COVID and what are the real impacts to my commercial loan portfolios, um, you know, during this particular time, because there's certainly deterioration there. And I think a lot of them are, you know, kicking the can down the, down the street a little bit, so to speak, because mm-hmm. they don't want to, you know, they haven't really true light and, you know, realize the impact of this, but they will soon. There's only so long you can keep these, you know, loans as non-performing assets, as you know, on your, on your balance sheet before you really have to kind of, you know, you know, take some actions, at least under, you know, current rules. And so, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to just deferring loans, having to actually take action on them. So that's causing a lot of uncertainty. And then you've got the change, I guess, where I go next. And, you know, from the digital side is, you know, you've got the change in consumer behaviors. You know, we've been paying a lot of attention of what are consumers doing? Where are they going during this particular time? And what are they going to gravitate to? So what's the future behaviors? And what are they really going to do? Because, I think a lot of times, you know, what my team, um, you know, I think appropriately does is, okay, here's what our, you know, surveys are saying, here's what our customers are saying, here's what the ecosystem and, you know, um, all the publications are saying out there. And sometimes what people do uh, is different than what they say they're going to do, right? And so that, you know, are, are people going to go back to, you know, what we call the traditional behaviors of branches and so forth or interacting physically 
uh, rather than go down this digital channels? Um, I don't think so, but there'll probably be a little bit of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're grappling with, all right, so what, what are the hot investments out there? What do I need to make? Um, you know, how to, uh, for the kind of, what I'd say, mid-sized banks who really feel like they're, um, you know, value proposition is its interactions with its clients and those personal relationships that they they feel as though they can um, do a little better job with or be a little bit more personalized than with the, the large, you know, the big financial institutions that, you know, leverage technology or, um, you know, other, other resources to them differently to establish a relationship. I think they're kind of scratching their heads as well, because when you've got, you know, these large institutions that are becoming so technology oriented and investing so much in that and consumers are gravitating towards that, how do you really differentiate yourself, right? And really kind of keep your identity and keep your customer base um, and not just the older customer base, which the kind of regional banks traditionally have, how do we, you know, recruit and, you know, uh, get a younger, um, you know, demographic uh, and attract new customer base at that level uh, you know, how do I, how do I compete with that? Uh, especially when things are accelerating the way they are. And do you have an answer for all that, Simon? Well, you know, certainly I don't have all the answers. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a challenging one. Um, uh, of I course. Think, well, where, where, yeah, where, where do you advise them to, to, to start? Meaning, um, what's your, what's your position, I guess, as, as, as a professional, as a company, are thing will things go back, you know, to to at least sort of resemble what they looked like before with the role of the branch and uh, at least the decreasing role of the branch, but important in in certain models? Are we are we moving further and just accept, we hear from a lot of guests that we're totally accelerating the move towards digital? So like, I guess what's what's your what's your stance on that? And then given that, like, how do you how do you work with your clients? Yeah, well, that's a lot of questions. Um, so let me kind of unpack it a little bit. One, yes, we have certainly seen, uh, as it sounds like your other guests have as well, that there is an acceleration towards digital. Um, you know, first-time users, I think the thing that's really interesting, and we, we do a lot of project work with, uh, you know, our institutions to not only provide thought leadership, uh, but as they're integrating these services, what are the critical things that you need to do uh, within your institution to really drive adoption uh, to these and make this stick? And really, you know, that's where we do a lot of work is the analysis and an ROI modeling, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go, let's let's take deposit automation for 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 uh, example. Um, you know, if you're going to um, in, in, you want to migrate customers to digital channels, whether that be um, you know ATM or um, you know or mobile, uh, you know, name the digital channel. Uh, if you want to do that, there's there's a significant cost um, associated with an upfront development, but there's also a significant cost in doing business that way. So, you know, by our analysis, um, you know, internally, I think B of A uses the five bucks. We we use about four dollars and twenty cents. If I was to go in and make a um, you know a twenty dollar deposit with you, Zach, as a teller, okay, mm-hmm. so it costs the bank about four dollars and twenty cents. If they do it at you know at the ATM and you can migrate that same twenty dollar deposit to the, an ATM, it's it's you know let's call it eighty cents, something around that, okay. And of course, if you go to mobile, you know then you're down to fifteen cents or, or maybe even less depending on you know scale. So mm-hmm. you can see that the ROI gets developed there, and so there's a there's a tremendous amount of interest in doing that. Not only that, we are finding that consumers want to transact digitally, 
and that's certainly being uh, you know, proven out during COVID, and they want to interact with, say, a subject matter expert, say, a business banker, mortgage rep, or investment person uh, in a branch. So the, the branch is not going away, but there's certainly this, you know, let's do simple transactions in a digital way. Consumers want to do that, and as I just described, there's an ROI, and so there's certainly something for um, you know, banks to do uh, to help support that. And so we, we talk a lot about, about that and do a lot of, um, you know, current state assessments and project work to be able to help them with that. And, and really that's designed to make them successful, right? So when they buy a, a, a hardware software capability from, from Devil Next Door, we want them to be successful, right? We're their partner. And so we've got a vested interest in that. And so when, when we do those kinds of things, um, you know, what I think you find from that is, uh, that the customer adopting and using that technology a couple times um, themselves, so you know, demonstrating that technology or using that technology, certainly there is the, the customer will then see how easy it is and really gravitate to that technology over and over again to drive that 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 adoption. Okay, and during COVID was a perfect test case for that because in some cases you didn't have an option, and so not only were branches you know decreasing in um, time slots and sometimes they were closed. And then we saw a lot of creative ideas from the financial institutions on how to drive awareness or adoption to this digital technology with their customers. And so that was really cool. So what, what I do think is that that got accelerated because in, in some cases, really some of the reason because of those things. They've used it now, they've seen how easy it is, they're believers, they've downloaded the app on their phone, you know, they've leveraged this capability and now in the future they're seeing how easy it is. And maybe even right now with COVID, I mean, we're certainly not out of it, you know, gosh, do I really wanna go in and interact with a uh, person at the bank when I can just, you know, use the safety of my mobile device or, you know, um, you know a, a clean ATM to make my uh, deposit or withdraw so I don't have to interact during these times. So, so we have seen that. So I, I believe there is a downstream effect and we'll continue to see that adoption. Um, you know, from an, from an impact perspective, I do believe there always will be um, a retail outlet for banks. I think mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's no question the value there. I think what they use the branch for will be differently. The way I kind of describe more around, let's say, marketing capabilities or interacting with those subject matter experts, not the traditional uh, transaction that we've seen in the past. And so those digital capabilities will continue to be developed. Um, and I think you, you need to have a really good mobile app and certainly have access to um, ATMs or those kinds of things for consumers to be able to do that. Will they completely replace the branch? No, I don't think so, but we'll, we'll certainly um, see that continue. What about the role of cash? Obviously the data that we saw um, COVID hit and the fear around cash and maybe the transmission of, of disease that way, um, you know, we saw contact lists from, from different vantage points, you know, usage has gone up highly like where do you think i guess that that move where are we i guess on the spectrum towards like a cashless society and is that a reality um what's your what's your viewpoint on that you know i don't think so it's it's two things um you know one i think it's very interesting too um you know i use cash from time to time uh, i've got teenage daughters so it just seems to fly out of my wallet before i get a chance yeah. to use it so i have a tendency to have to use my plastic a lot and so um, you know, I'm not for one a big cash user, uh, but, but from time to time I do need it and it seems like I've always got it around. Um, you know, two things I would say is one, when you talk to financial institutions and banks like I do every single day, um, you know, when you talk to the folks that actually deal with cash in the branch 
um, it's still a pain point for them. So they still are using a tremendous amount of cash and, and it's a, you know, the, the cash flow and the way that they use cash is still an important thing. So it, it's still a, a big focus for banks and they are still using cash. So from a digital perspective, you know, I kind of take that as, all right, we're still using a lot of cash out there because they're, they're talking to us about this in the orders. The other thing is, um, you know, uh, I guess it was about a month or two ago, um, you know, uh, I was listening to um, some information from the Fed and they were talking about that there's more cash in circulation right now than there ever is. And I mean, significantly more. Mm. And the way it came up with me is around delivering and so forth with branches. And they were talking about um, actually the Fed is not recycling bills. Like, you know, traditionally, Zach, when you take, you know, ones in, you want to ship them back out to the Fed because they're in circulation, they get in bad bad shape, right? And so you want to you want to keep it around and so you get fresh bills. Uh, number one, they were not you know able to recycle them as much as they would like or, or take the cash back. Uh, number two, what I heard from banks was when they were getting the cash into their vaults and cash in, they're printing cash so fast at the Fed that a lot of times they're hearing the, the ink crack in the bills when they're taking them apart because they, they literally can't produce cash fast enough. So, so, you know, when you take some of those, those, those data points and those are recent, you know, there's a lot of cash still in circulation out there and being used. And we're also seeing, you know, and you probably heard a little bit about this, you know, major cities, like I mentioned, I'm in Seattle. And so, you know, cities like Seattle or San Francisco, New York, really talking about more of a, you know, maybe disparate impact um, of an impact of, of a cashless society and, and how that impacts the less fortunate to be able to do that. So I think, and we've certainly seen that over in Europe as well, is, you know, there's a real impact to uh, not only, you know, financial institutions and consumers, um, you know, uh, human beings when you don't have cash as a currency or the ability to leverage that. Uh, but also, I think there's a risk uh, somewhat to government entities when you don't um, have cash available to you. If we were to go completely digital, uh, obviously, I think we can all think about, you know, what that would really look like. There's some challenges there and some risks associated with that. So I think we're a long way from a cashless society. I think it's still an important part of life for us. And um, will we get there one day? I don't know. You know, I don't think so. I think we're way off if, if we are. Got it. Um, I guess in a corollary question is the role of ATM in today's market. Um, branches were closed. Obviously, the ATM was was literally either that or mobile or or, or yeah. digital channels. Like that was the only way you could interact with a bank. Um, where do you, where do you guys see the ATM playing uh, a role in the future in terms of is it is it a, is it a a branch into of it, into itself as as we were seeing as branches closed and, and sort of ATMs acting as like the imprint or the footprint in, in the local community. Where I'm just asking a lot of different questions here, but where, where do you see the ATM um, evolving to? Well, I think we've already seen it. I think um, you know it is certainly a tried and true and trusted measure, um, you know, globally um, in terms of being able to have accessibility to your finances and, and cash, you know, specifically. Um, you know, deposit automation. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. I think you know we just did some recent surveying, and um, you know, a lot of U.S. banks feel like the ATM uh, can certainly replace a branch. And what I mean is not you know, eliminate branches like, you know, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's, it's more around, okay, if we're, if we really need something to be able to transact, do we need as many branches? And so instead of having, you know, three branches over in this particular geographic area, can we have two branches or one branch or whatever, uh, and replace that with an ATM? In a lot of cases, the answer is yes. And the reason for that is, you know, 
if you think about the original ATM, all it did was, you know, you put your pin in and your card in and, and you put your four digit pin number in and it dispenses cash. Now it can do so many different things. So, you know, not only can you make obviously a simple withdrawal, but you can make a deposit in it, right? And, and you know, very effectively do deposits. You can do multi-denomination selection. So, you know, where you used to say, okay, I'm going to go to the bank to get 20 or to the ATM to get 20 bucks out, but I need, you know, I'm going to send my, you know, granddaughter a Christmas card. I need a 50. I've got to go into the branch. Well, now you can do multi-denomination where you can, you know, begin to take, you know, multi-denominations uh, out of an ATM. That's, that's mm -hmm. handy. It's another friction point early on with driving this kind of adoption to the digital channels that's been eliminated. Um, you know, they now have recycling capabilities. So for banks, you know, when you go in, Zach, and you put your, you know, your your $45 in tips into the machines and ones and fives, you know, the machines can now recycle that. And the next person that comes up um, that needs five ones is taking your five ones out of it. And so there's there's a lot of efficiencies to be able to do that. But also, you know, marketing capabilities. And I'm not just talking about a dumb screen saying we've got great car loans. I'm talking about bin level targeted offers to your customers that are smart um, based upon what you want to offer to them based upon who they specifically are and knowing your customers extremely well, which is much, much different, in, you know, and signing up and following up and those kind of things, much, much different marketing. And, and by the way, not just product sets, you know, what we found during COVID is, you know, being able to say, here's the hours of our branch, or here's ways to protect yourself during COVID. So a viable way to communicate with your customer that, you know, I would argue in, you know, uh, you know, owning branches for years, you know, and running branches for years and years uh, for a very complex organization, um, you know, those interactions can be better. I couldn't always rely on my tellers to, you know, not only just count cash, but to make a very good targeted offer based upon clues and cues my customers had to try to help them financially, um, you know, I can always rely on that. Well, now you can do that through a machine in a way or, or add video, you know, uh, uh, as a service uh, onto your ATM where, you know, if you need additional help or support, it's there on the screen for you. And I, and I think in today's environment with Zoom, um, you know, we're all getting a lot more comfortable in understanding the value of, of being able to use interactive video like this. So putting video on the machine. So when you put all of those things together, I think, you know, the ATM's role, um, you know, I even like the ATM, I think probably need to rename it to something else. I think it's just mm -hmm. something we're comfortable with. Uh, we can do a lot of things and you can begin to leverage this as, you know, a leave behind. And like I described before, for a branch, you may be able to put a, um, you know, a, uh, you know, an ATM in a new market you want to go into the way I just described in kind of a cool location with a cool layout and have it be a fully all automated branch, keep yourself protected, keep your customer protected and still be able to handle, you know, all of these things in, in Europe, for instance, um, you know, or Middle East, you know, they, they issue checkbooks, they issue debit cards. I mean, they really are full service kiosk. We just haven't really gotten there for the most part in the U.S. market, but it'll probably come. I mean, they're a little bit ahead of us. So, so I, you know, I think the downstream implications of how you can leverage this and, and really viably help and support your customers, especially now in the age of digital adoption, um, is really unlimited. So I feel like we're going to continue to see that adapt. You know, there's a, people a lot smarter than me that are developing this technology. So we'll see where it goes. But, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm a big believer. There's a lot of it downstream to be able to leverage. And it, it, 
you know, it doesn't have to be your only digital strategy. I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's solving for all of your customer solution, but I think it is a real viable part of your digital capabilities and your digital offerings as a specifically a financial institution, if not a retailer, uh, for a very, very long time. Simon, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Yeah, it was a pleasure. <laughs>